This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also, you might be listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas or 11.40 The Bet. If you're listening to us over the airwaves, we appreciate that. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, all you have to do is search Silver and Black Today. You'll find us. Make sure you subscribe and hit the auto download. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks participate in the chat the chat's always fun and we uh we have a good time in there lively crew in the youtube chat subscribe there hit the notifications bell you got to hit the notifications bell or you won't know when there's a new video so much to talk about here on silver and black today and as you know mo moton continues to recover he's had some health issues he's good he's working but he's still a few days away from getting back to the show. So uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers, as I've said all along. But subbing in for him is uh, my good friend, and that is Evan Grote. Evan Grote is the host of the Just Pod Baby podcast. Of course, you know him. He's been on the show a million times. He's also a producer over at SportsNot.com, mm-hmm. does a lot of work over there as well. So, Evan, thanks for joining us, man. appreciate you subbing in for Mo. And you like mint ice cream, right? I do. I do. I'm actually a big fan of mint chocolate chip. I mean, there's not many ice creams that I don't like, but yes, definitely I'm a fan of that. <laughs> See, so now Mo's fired. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, we've had we've had some people be like, what happened to Mo? Did he did, did he get uh, did he do a Blake Martinez and retire in the middle of the season? Uh, no, he did not. Uh, so he'll be back soon. But Evan, it's it's been a tough several weeks for Raider Nation. You have. Oh, by the way. Make sure you subscribe to Evan's podcast as well. That is just Pod Babies, part of Sports Not as well on their network. So make sure you do that uh, and follow him on Twitter at egrote5, egrote5, uh, as in Kerry Collins, right? That was his number with the Raiders, right? Yeah. That okay. was my old high school number, that too. That was your high school number. And, and Evan <laughs> yeah. will tweet out some of his high school. He looks like a little bigger than Doug Flutie, but he, 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 he looks good. I'll take it, dude. You, you, I played, I played defensive lineman, and I'm only five ten. So you can imagine how bad I was. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, uh, five seven, trying to play quarterback with with hands the size of a middle school kid. It wasn't always easy, but uh, I made it work. Well, yes, and and you look good doing it too. But you're upstate New York, you know. You you had your you had your day, which was good. But good good fun and good videos. But Evan, let's jump into this uh, and talk about the Raiders. Clear, we saw the injury report on Wednesday. Nothing surprising there. Some guys missing some time, uh, and and we did see Rocky Sin for personal reasons, eh, whatever. But otherwise, just normal nicks and bruises for the NFL. Uh, and, and the Raiders already have an extensive IR list as it, as it stands with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro obviously being the big names on there. But looking at the conversation, Evan, and, and you do this a lot, obviously, with your podcast. You see it on Twitter. You've been like Mr. Stat Machine tweeting out all these stats about <laughs> the Raiders and, and, and what's going on. Um, the conversation is just negative, and I understand why. And we're starting to, I think, identify some issues here. There's issues with coaching. There's issues with the roster. There's issues with the front office. And I think when you are a team in the NFL and you're two and seven, two and eight, two and seven, excuse me, two and seven. I said two and eight yesterday, I think. I hope that's not true for Raider fans out there. But <laughs> you're two and seven. That's not one thing failing, right? I, I, I tweeted out on Wednesday that, hey, you know what? You can have two things be correct or multiple things be correct. And the causation for why things are going wrong can be multiple failures. Isn't that what we have here is multiple failures? Absolutely. Multiple failures. And, and, you know, we've had a lot of finger pointing and a lot of blaming going on throughout the season. Is it the head coach? Is it the offense? Is it the quarterback, the defense? The answer is it's all the above. It, it's just been uh, a collection of, of disappointments. It's been a collection of failures um, by by really everyone. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard to, to pinpoint. I mean, uh, you could you could look to a couple of players who have really um, been successful this year, but really it, it's been a, just a, a whole team failure and, and the coaching staff uh, been a major disappointment as well as the general manager too, because you look yeah. at some of the decisions that he made. Um, bringing players in like Chandler Jones, who's been a huge disappointment. I mean, there's blame to go around everywhere. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I don't know, I'm trying to remember back to when I was a big football fan. Of course, I grew up a Charger fan and that was a miserable existence. But nonetheless, we, when you look at it, I remember getting angry at certain things and yeah, the coach stinks and all that kind of stuff. But I've, I don't think I've ever seen a time. And I talked about it on yesterday's mailbag show where there's an obsession with people putting blame on one person or one thing, and they want to ride that horse until it drops. So if you hate Derek Carr, it's all his fault. If you hate Josh McDaniels, it's his fault. If you hate Mark Davis, he needs to sell the team. And, and I, I get the frustration, right, especially for Raider fans who've gone through years, and Evan, you're a Raider fan, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I don't understand the fixation where you throw out all logic and instead of thinking about, okay, why are the real reason? What is the real reason why this team isn't good? And it's not one person's fault. It's multiple issues, like you said. Um, do you find that too? Do you find that strange? Or am I just maybe not remembering that it's always been this way? Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the Raiders and and the fan base is, is very emotional. Um and, you know, we have suffered for a very long time and, and, you know, we're fed up with it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I am I so fed it. up with the drama, um, the car wars, um, the embarrassment <laughs> that the organization has, has brought to the fan base. 
I mean, I'm just tired of it. And, and you know, when, when things go uh, awry, uh, you know, people are going to start blaming each other and it's going to be chaotic. And that's what you're seeing right now amongst the fan base. I mean, it's as divided as it's ever been, mm. um, which has been divided for a long time now. Uh, but I, I've never seen things as bad as it is right now with this fan base. And, you know, the debate and the discussion is going to continue to go on. There's still eight games left <laughs> this year. That's the other is, thing. Which is hard to it's hard to believe. I mean, th- this yeah. season feels like it's been about two seasons long already. And there's <laughs> after and last there's still, season, after last season seemed yeah. like it was two seasons long. Yeah. And that's, that's the point I'm making is that it's just, I mean, and you saw Derek Carr too, this uh, last week at the press conference. I mean, he's mentally broke down and I think the fan base is, is right there with him. Right there with him. Yeah. And it's interesting because you, we have Murph on and you've been on with us on the post game as well. And bunch uh, and Murph is as hardcore a fan as you can get, but it's interesting how some people see it through a lens of, look, yeah, I'm mad as hell. I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm, it's just old, but yet they can still root for their team and still do it. I'm seeing people telling me now, again, in, in the fit of anger, you sometimes say things you don't mean. So I'm having people though, reach out to me and say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm checking out now. I understand it to a certain degree. I, I don't believe him because I've never met a group of more loyal fans in my life than Raider Nation. I was a Charger fan. After 2013, I knew they were moving. I was done. That's before I did this show. I was doing this at all. So just relax if you're, you have a problem with that. But um, I just walked away because they were, they were leaving the city, right? And so I was just done. I was like, it was a perfect way to cut loose. And it was the best decision I ever made. But at the same time, I just don't I, – I, I try to implore people to be positive. And then, of course, people are yelling at me for trying to tell them to be positive. So <laughs> it's an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah. But but back to the Derek Carr thing, too. Um, Derek Carr is dominating the headlines again. The emotional press conference, which I defended him on because people were trying to say he's soft because he's crying and all that stuff. And, and I actually feel for him from that perspective because I said it today, and that is um, – I would have been I would have asked to be traded if I was him a long time ago. The dysfunction in this organization and, and how much has that played mentally into how he's regressed this year, not not to mention the system and the coach unwilling to probably bend his system. Uh, but but I, I, I think that you have to look at the Derek Carr situation and say it's time to move on, not because he's not a good quarterback, but because it's such a fractured and damaged relationship. Give the guy a chance somewhere else, and then the Raiders can turn the page too and not have somebody who's lived through living hell for his entire career. Absolutely. You know, Derek Carr has never struck me as the kind of guy that's going to run away from adversity. No. Um, that's just not the, that's not the kind of guy he is. But I, I think everybody has uh, their breaking point. And, and you know, he, he hears – what's being said about him. He knows the disrespect that is out there about him. Uh, we know that. And, and I think at a certain point he has to be saying to himself, what am I doing here? You know, I have given this organization everything I have and mm-hmm. he's been rewarded ha- handsome, handsomely for that financially, but th- they have failed him. And, and, you know, I know there was an article out there uh, this week by, by bar stools and I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit later oh, yeah. on. And, and it goes through the, the nine years of, of failures to build a defense around him and uh, all the coaching changes and the coordinators, um, you know, they really have, they have failed to build around him. And, and I'll, and I will admit that. Um, And, and I'm sure in his mind, he's got to be fed up with it. And I think that's what we saw from his press conference on Sunday when he said, you know, nine years of crap 
hit me tonight. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know he has said he'd rather retire than play for anyone but the Raiders, but I still think he's, I mean, he's only what, 31 years old. Yeah. Um, and he could still play as long as he wants to. I'm sure that's, that doubt has creeped into his mind at this point is, is, you know, should I go elsewhere? Do, do I, you know, can I reach my full potential in another place? And, and I agree with you. I, I think it's time for a split. Um, it has been nine years of this. Um, and it's not all the failures of the, the franchise to build around him. He hasn't been perfect at times as well. Mm-hmm. He has not been that guy to, uh, consistently anyways, to put mm-hmm. the team on his shoulders and overcome some of the deficiencies that, um, you know, he's had to deal with. So again, there, there's, there's, it's twofold, you know, he's just not that good. He's not elite. And then the the problem is what's the, the chaos that's been going on around him. So I'm right. sure he's, he's thinking about getting out for sure. Well, and, that, and that's what I was saying earlier about two things being true simultaneously. Okay. You can be a top 15 quarterback and be Derek Carr. And you can also look at the organization and say they haven't done anything to help them. Right. And I think it's a good example this year. I think the reason he's regressed, we've talked about it on the show a million times. He's not comfortable in the system. And Josh McDaniels does not seem willing to bend or maybe change the system a little bit at first to make him comfortable. And not only that, he's got a crap offensive line. Okay. So that clearly says to me, and that's why I brought up, and I know some people might think it's a conspiracy theory, but I brought up, maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe they said, Hey, we're going to give Derek the extension, but it's got the one year out, which we all know about. I've been talking about it for this week. And, and now we'll see, we'll give him a shot. If he can't hang, guess what? We're going, we're done. And I think there might be some truth to that because you saw a lot of firestorm uh, from the media, particularly around that this team is now saying, well, no, we knew we had to build well, but all their moves around uh, moving uh, uh, guys out and, and putting their, their uh, hard cap hits later and stretching it out over the next couple of years, giving all the, the big extensions that you gave Evan this team, I don't care what, and, and I agree with those guys. I, what, no matter what they try to spin, that was not the plan. Was not that this was going to be a transition year. They spent way too much money, made too many moves, including Chan- you don't sign Chandler Jones if you're rebuilding. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because I was thinking about this today as I was <clears throat> starting to gather some ideas for my own podcast tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and I and I think. I think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler were put into a very unique situation Mm. when they took the job in Las Vegas. And the situation that I'm talking about is they were taking over for a team that was 10 and seven and went to the playoffs. It's not often that you see a coaching change for a team that was in the playoffs the previous year. Right. So you had a fan base whose expectations now are that, wow, we're a playoff team now. We should be able to get back here again next year, especially now that we have Devontae Adams. They went out and signed Chandler Jones, right? So expectations from the fans, at least, were through the roof. But, you know, maybe inside that uh, headquarters in, in Henderson, maybe the belief was, you know what, we still got a lot of turnover to do, a lot of changes to make on this roster. We want to be competitive this year, but it, it, you know what? Maybe it may not work out because in their vision may be more long-term. And, you know, I've it has heard to be, um, yeah. I mean, I've heard some people talk about that and a lot of, of the writers are writing about that. Um, and again, and I, and I've alluded to this many times as well. Uh, 
Last year, the Raiders won a lot of close games. It's been well-documented. Seven of the wins came by an average of 3.4 points last year. A lot of close games. That's not a recipe to Mm. have consistent success in this league. Look what they're doing this year. They're losing all of those games now (laughs) by an average of 4.3 points. So, I mean, that is the NFL. I think the expectations were a little high, to be honest. I mean, I saw people think saying, oh, they're going to win 12 games. They're going to win 13 games. (laughs) I don't know if that was realistic. I really don't, to be honest with you. And and I was guilty. I said 11. I, I got fooled. And I shouldn't say I got fooled. I threw red meat, and I shouldn't have. I, I had my doubts, but I think I think Mo picked ten wins. I picked eleven. Just going that we went through the schedule. I think you did that too. And I, I picked a floor. I, you know, I didn't actually make a prediction this year. I went with a floor. floor and a ceiling. I thought I said yeah. floor was nine. All things going correct. Everything was in a perfect world. Twelve wins. I thought was the ceiling. I mean, we yeah. were all wrong. Everyone we all got wrong. it wrong. No, nobody. Absolutely predicted it would be this bad. No. But there was signs that a possible regression was possible. I, I think the signs were there. Yeah, no doubt. They did nothing to fix the defensive line, nothing to, well, except for the Chandler Jones signing. Bilal Nichols was an okay signing. We thought he'd be better than he is. Uh, and, of course, they did all that stuff on offense. I mean, you spend $200 million on offense in one offseason. Yeah. And I think that set the expectation. But you're right about the the playoff thing. And we're going to talk about that later in the last segment. First, what we're going to do, Evan's going to stand by and we're going to go to an interview. We've got Nick Ferguson, 12-year veteran safety, coming up. He now uh, is the co-host of the TD Denver podcast, which is one of our podcasts here on Odyssey. Yes, the Odyssey Network has a podcast for every team. And Nick, a uh, Georgia Tech alumni, by the way, he... Uh, is the co-host on that one. He's in Denver, and he's going to join us. He's not just going to talk about Denver, but we're going to talk about the AFC West. I'm going to ask him, we all thought, including Evan, you and I talked about this, we thought the AFC West was going to be the best division in football in the last 25 years. And guess what? (laughs) The Broncos at 3-6, and the Raiders at 2-7 and are facing off to each other. And and those two fan bases were fighting who could win the division that the Chiefs were going to fall down, and it's been exactly the opposite. So I'm going to ask him about that. I'll also ask him about there's a lot of similarities between the Broncos situation and the Raiders situation, and we'll get into that here. And then when we come back after the interview, Evan will rejoin us. We're going to talk a little bit about a piece that Tashawn Reed wrote in The Athletic, as well as the Barstool piece that Evan mentioned. We're going to talk about those things coming up as well. But when we come back from the break, Nick Ferguson joins us from the TD Denver podcast and Odyssey original, just like silver and black today. So don't go anywhere as we roll on talking Las Vegas Raiders football. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, segment number three as we move along. If you're listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, thanks for being with us. If you're listening to us on the Odyssey Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcast, you might be listening on your phone, on Apple uh, Podcasts, you might be listening on Spotify, you might have said, hey, Alexa, play Silver and Black today. If you're listening to us on the kitchen as you cook or as you get in the car, hello, hope I'm watching. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We now turn our attention to the Raiders game this weekend against the Denver Broncos. Of course, they face their AFC West foe, also struggling. And to talk about that, we bring on the great Nick Ferguson, of course, 12-year veteran in the NFL safety. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. He's also the co-host of the TD Denver podcast, also an Odyssey original. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you. We know you're on your way out to practice and certainly uh, look forward to talking to you about some football. Well, thanks for uh, for having me. It should be a really interesting game played uh, against uh, two bad teams in the NFL <laughs> right now. <laughs> exactly. And it wasn't supposed to be the way. And that's where I'm going to start with you, because if you remember the offseason, I'm sure you guys talked about it on your podcast as well, which was the AFC West was going to be the best division in all of football, it was going to be the best division in the last 25 years. I threw red meat at the crowd. Everybody thought that's what it was going to be. Now, here we are almost at Thanksgiving and it's nowhere near what people thought. The Chiefs are better than people thought they would be. Remember, Tyree Kill was in Miami, and Patrick Mahomes was going to struggle. We haven't really seen that, but what we have seen is the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders all struggle. Were you surprised at how this division so far halfway through the season has shaken out? Yeah, I'm, I was really surprised because uh, before the season – uh, after the change, uh, you know, the Raiders add Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams and that connection with both he and Derek Carr going back to high school, I mean, to college, excuse me. I was thinking, like, okay, well, at least three teams out of the AFC West were going to make the playoffs, but uh, what a change of events that we're both experienced, both in Las Vegas and here in Denver. And believe it or not, we are having some of the same issues that both yes. teams are having. And it's like, okay, you get a new coordinator, your new signal call. It's like, hey, things are going to be great. It's going to be robust from an offensive standpoint. Really hasn't been that for the Raiders. Hasn't really been that for the Broncos. And then you look at the Broncos, 14 guys on IR. I think the Raiders have about 12. Mm -hmm. And you look at both offensive line units, you know, uh, they're not playing really well. And both of these teams, the offensive schemes that they employ, work well when you're running the ball. And they haven't been doing that as of late. Yeah, it's a great point. And I know for, for many reasons, you're right. There are so many similarities between these two teams with the offense and the defense. Uh, on the Broncos side, though, the defense seems to be playing. And the Broncos offense, Russell Wilson, I'm a big Russell Wilson fan, right? Raider fans don't like me saying that, but I am. So when he got to Denver, I was expecting a lot of it. We've now seen them uh, really struggle at three and six, obviously. And then you look at their offense it's it's bottom in the NFL, and and I think it's going back. You guys talked about on your podcast, I think it was this week or last week, that in in forty nine games since they won the Super Bowl, the Raider or excuse me, the Broncos have scored seventeen or less, and that hasn't improved this year. Is it is it issue? What first of all, tell me your diagnosis. What's going on with Russell Wilson? Number one, is it a scheme fit? Is it just him? not having the tools, obviously because of the injuries. What's going on with that Broncos offense? 
It's a combination of, of, of several things. One, not really having all the personnel that you need to be successful. And that mm -hmm. starts up front. That offensive line has really been beat up. And even when they were healthy, they were still not playing well as a collective unit. I go back to the game early in the season when the Raiders uh, hosted the Broncos. Max Crosby was having a day. And I know <laughs> Max Crosby is one hell of a player, and he does that to a lot of offensive linemen. But I thought that this group collectively was going to do a better job. Now, also look at the play calling. Here's where I lowered my expectations when Russell joined the Broncos because I know it's always a tough match when you put a new head coach, offensive coordinator with a new quarterback. I saw the same thing with the Broncos when they acquired Peyton Manning and he had to learn and adjust to that of Gary Kubiak's system. So mm. things are not always going to mesh. You look right back in your own backyard with Josh McDaniels, who was believed as being one of the smartest guys outside of Sean McVay. But guess what? The Raiders offense are struggling. And you go back and you look at the Colts had an MVP quarterback in Matt Ryan, who they put on a shelf for a while until they fired Frank Wright. He, too, was having issues understanding a new system. So it's not just Russell. It is not just Matt Ryan. It is Derek Carr as well. Yeah. No, and that's the thing we talk about with Derek Carr. And 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 we, there's this duality, as you know. Derek Carr is polarizing with Raiders fans, right? There's Raiders fans who think he's the worst quarterback to ever play, which obviously is not true. And then there's people who could think he can't do any wrong. And I feel for the guy because, and I said this today, and of course people attack me for it, but uh, I said, listen, uh, I respect the guy for his loyalty to the franchise because if it was me and you've been a player, you've been a coach, I would have asked for a trade a long time ago with all the dysfunction they've had there. But your point about Derek Carr, not he's not comfortable in the system and Russell Wilson doesn't look comfortable in that system either. No, neither quarterback looks uh, comfortable. But here's what you have to do if you are an offensive coordinator. You mm -hmm. have to check your ego at the door. The same <laughs> thing you ask players to do at the same time. Let's be totally honest. Josh McDaniels is your quarterback. But we know he comes from New England where their egos are bigger than the Rocky Mountains, right? <laughs> so, so for him, he's got to lower his ego, check it at the door, and say, okay, well, we don't have Darren Waller. We don't have Hunter Renfro. We got Foster Monroe, we got Josh Jacobs, we have Devontae Adams, and a couple other wide receivers. How do we make this easier on our quarterback? Yeah, you want to take shots down the ball, but the biggest thing, turn around, hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs. Allow that offensive line to set the tempo, and then you're able to take your shots down the field. But it just seems as though Josh McDaniels is committed, just like Nathaniel Hackett, to running their schemes instead of catering them to their quarterbacks. Man, that is so dead on, and we've been saying that, too, on the show quite a bit. And, and, and that's the other thing here, too. Obviously, Josh McDaniels with his history in Denver, so Denver knows him well from his first iteration, although when he got the Raider job, he said, well, that was a different guy. But we're seeing some of the things that, that he did wrong in Denver repeat themselves. And with Nathaniel Hackett, the same thing. When Hackett started off early and struggled in the season, they brought in somebody to kind of be, I don't know, like an internal coach for him, right? Somebody who's going to help him. Has that worked at all? Have you seen any improvement there? And is that something that might work in Vegas with McDaniels? Or does it get back to your point that, man, these are egos and these guys are not going to give in. They're going to be who they are. Well, for Hackett, yeah, you, they bring in an outside guy to kind of help him with game management. That, right. th that person wasn't brought in to actually help him with play calling and scheme. So when you look at Josh McDaniels, can Josh McDaniels or would he actually 
bring someone else in to handle in-game management? And the answer to that question is no, because here's the difference between the two coaches. One has a massive ego and the other not, not so much. And then Josh McDaniels has more experience in this league being in more big-time games than Nathaniel Hackett. So mm-hmm. he has a more experience, but can he relinquish control to someone else so he can go ahead and be a head coach, delegate responsibilities, look at the special teams, look at the defense, look at the personnel? And the answer to that question, I'm sorry, it is no. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I, I know obviously fans get really emotional and and – they already want Josh McDaniels fired, but you're starting to hear the conversation around uh, coaching staffs and and coaches in the NFL. You know, they used to it was a little bit like college, right? They used to get three years, four years to kind of build their team. Not anymore, right? We see guys get blown out after one year all the time, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with both coaches. Let's turn to some positives with the with the Broncos. One guy that I I, I like a lot and I think has played well has been Draymond Jones. Talk about him on the defense. Why? What? What's he done this year, and what what did they do to improve that defensive front that has helped him a lot? Well, you know, there was a lot of knock on Draymond Jones. Could he live up to uh, expectations? But here's the thing that changed for Draymond Jones. You bring in Jero Evero, who comes over from the Rams, who brings in his scheme. But the biggest thing was they brought in DJ Jones, another run stuffer mm-hmm. from um, San Francisco. And what, what that helps, because when you see another guy next to you playing well, if you are competitive, guess what? You're like, hey, He's not going to have more plays on the stat sheet, positive plays, that is, than I have. So that was forced him to kind of step his game up. But also, when you have the edge rush that we had and we no longer have uh, Bradley Chubby's down in Miami on South Beach, but that also <laughs> helps as well because when, when, when offensive teams are sliding protection to your edge rushers, now mm-hmm. that means you have one-on-one inside. And if you can work your hands and get your, your hips even with that guard, now you can put pressure on that quarterback. But those are some of the things that Draymond Jones has done well. And to boot, he's playing for a contract at the end of the season. And usually how it works in the NFL, if you're on that contract here, you're trying to get as many positive stats as you can because either your current team is going to play, going to pay you or someone else. That's right. I mean, we're seeing that in Vegas with, uh, with Josh Jacobs, obviously, who's having a great year at running back and has stayed healthy, which has been the only issue with him over previous seasons. So it's good. Uh, let uh, Appreciate all the time today, Nick. Let me ask you this sort of in closing. You look at this Broncos franchise, of course, new ownership, right? Um, and the rest of the season, they sit at three and six. The Raiders are at two and seven right behind them. This is a game even Nathaniel Hackett at the press conference said, well, somebody's got to win this one, right? Which um, I think was tongue in cheek, but for fan, <laughs> for fans, that joke didn't land, right? Nobody wants to hear how bad they are um but when you look at the broncos the rest no, of this no season, no no one hit that yeah, yeah exactly but when you look at them the rest of the season the broncos what 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 goals are they going to have what do they need to find out about this team we know the head coach clearly but the rest of that roster what do they need to find out between now and the end of the season so that they can bring about change and try to turn the thing around next season well the broncos have 24 guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents so if you're one of those guys one, you're trying to end the season healthy, uh, but also you want to end the season on a very productive note because, once again, you are playing for a contract, and this is where other teams around the league, 
and the Broncos as, as well, they're looking at these last couple of games as evaluations, which guys continue to play, which guys kind of, you know, cut bait and their minds were totally out of it. And those are the guys you definitely don't want to bring back. But if you're a current guy, you have a long-term deal like a Cortland Sutton, like a Russell Wilson, you want to go out and try to stack bricks, as we would like to call it. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is continue to have a positive showing because George Payton, the GM, said that he wants to see progress. Now, there is a chance, and, and when I said this, Broncos fans lost their mind, but there is a chance that Nathaniel Hackett is able to keep his job because just like Josh McDaniels, they have the ticky, uh, the ticky torches here, and they have the pick forts, and they're ready to <laughs> run him out of town. But here's, here's how he wins. Here's a possibility. He can say, well, listen, I wasn't really set up for success as much as I can because I didn't have the uh, personnel needed to show how well my offense can actually go out. So with that being said, if you give me one more year, Russell Wilson in this offense, we're able to go out and get some other players. Now I will be able to show you. But after one season, is it a knee-jerk reaction? I know neither team is playing well under the current coaches. But to me, you have to be a little patient. And that's hard to tell fans who have been waiting to see their team in the postseason. Yeah, especially all the money they have to spend. And, and, and you probably know uh, in Vegas, the ticket prices are the highest in the NFL. Uh, so people are people, and that's an adjustment for fans that were from Oakland because they used to be the lowest prices in the NFL. So it's, right. gone, through, it's <laughs> gone through the roof. Uh, but it's a good point. And, 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 and th uh, to close, I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, both these teams have very similar issues, uh, not only with the coaching, but also with rosters. They, they just don't have the talent they need. To compete, look. The, the the ideal is you have to beat the Chiefs. They are the class of the division until they're not. And so both these teams have to build those rosters. And clearly, they're both not there. In addition to the other issues. So, uh, Nick, we appreciate it, man. Make sure you follow Nick at Nick Ferguson underscore twenty five and catch him on the TD Denver podcast here on our Odyssey Network. Nick, thanks for being with us, man. And take care of yourself. And we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Be good. All right, you too, man. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to step aside when we come back. The show rolls on. Evan Grote rejoins me. We're going to talk about this Denver game and close it out with a little bit of fun because you guys need fun. Don't get too serious. Everybody's at each other's throats. And I know even people are angry tweeting me because I'm telling you to be positive. So we'll be back right after this break. You're listening to Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, segment number three 
as we move along. If you're listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, thanks for being with us. If you're listening to us on the Odyssey Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcast, you might be listening on your phone, on Apple uh, Podcasts, you might be listening on Spotify, you might have said, hey, Alexa, play Silver and Black today. If you're listening to us on the kitchen as you cook or as you get in the car, Hello, hope on. Watch those devices. They're always listening to us. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate that. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it as well. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, too. It's SNB Today. I am at LV Gully. And, of course, Mo, my usual co-host, will be back next week. M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And sitting in for Mo today on this edition of Silver and Black Today, of course, is my good friend, Evan Grote, he is of the Just Pod Baby podcast, which you got to go subscribe to as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Also a producer over at sportsnot.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at egrote 5 Evan, a couple pieces, really good pieces um, about, and I know it's pile on time, right? When you're having a season as poor as the Raiders are, I, it's hard to write about positive things, even though I'm trying to talk about positive things. And I tell people to find the negative, the positives in the negative, meaning, Hey, find a player you're rooting for and see how they progress. Whatever. People aren't really happy with me with that. But anyway, some of these pieces, I want to first talk about Tashawn Reed's piece because he highlighted 10 things that are wrong with the Raiders. And I want to go over some of them because I think we all know these and we've been talking about them for some time, but he had some great insight and research. I want to give him credit for a great piece that he wrote. Number one, but I want to start with these and get your comments on them and talk about them. Number one that he brought up early in his piece was uh, one of the reasons why the Raiders are failing is they went out and spent twenty, excuse me, $223.3 million on Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Derek Carr. That combination of players has been on the field for a total of 62 snaps the entire season. 62 now usually in a game you get up 50 60s as a number of plays in a game right so you're talking about maybe one game out of 10 that all of those guys have been together so we talked in the first segment with you about the expectations that Raider Nation had and especially with that offense on paper it was like holy moly this is a Super Bowl offense and guess what they have not been able to play Darren Waller's been hurt we now hear the reports we talked about it yesterday on our mailbag show the organization reportedly is not happy and, and about his recovery time and what's going on there, which fans have been crying about for a while. Then you have Hunter Renfro. I got in an argument with a guy on our Facebook, or excuse me, on our YouTube page, who was calling me crazy for saying Hunter Renfro hasn't played well. He has not played well. Even before the injury, it wasn't great. So he just hasn't played as well. And then, of course, we know uh, Derek Carr has struggled. Devontae Adams is the only guy who's, who's earned, and I shouldn't say that, who has earned the reputation that we thought he would, and he would be one of the best players in football, and he has been when they pass the ball to him. So, Evan, you look at that. It's hard to overcome. When you spend $223 million on those guys, those four guys, and they're not playing together, how could you expect a better result? Yeah, in, in my opinion, that is the biggest disappointment uh, this season has to be, you know, the, the injuries uh, on offense and how it's affected what we all thought was going to be a really explosive, high, high powered, high scoring offense. It just hasn't come together. And you mentioned only the, the, the big three there, uh, only playing 62 snaps together. And, and really, you know, I think about the first two games, 
they weren't the offense wasn't great in those first two games. I believe the second game right. was the Arizona game where they were shut out in the second half, if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, I know it's a small sample size, um, but they weren't even great in the game in in the snaps that they played together. Now, that being said, I am very disappointed that we haven't gotten a chance to see the offense at full strength, but I still thought there was enough in the cupboards there that the offense should be performing better than what right. it is right now. Think about what this offense has had uh, in past years. Nobody close to what Devonte Adams can do. And Josh Jacobs is performing the best he has of any point in his, in his career. So, right. you know, to me, it's still, it's still disappointing um, because I believe there's still enough there. I think Foster Moreau has, has shown that he's capable of, of, you know, maybe not Darren Waller status, but he's capable of doing some good things. Matt Collins has been a, a pleasant surprise. Now he hasn't done much lately, but mm-hmm. I, I just feel that, that there's still enough there um, where this offense should be able to score more than they have been doing lately. Yes, and and you talk about the offensive line too, which has been a, a favorite subject of ours on your show, on our show, on probably every single Raider creator show there is on radio, television, and on the interwebs. Uh, and the the offensive line, Evan, not good at all overall. Uh, downright terrible in the passing game. They're twenty seventh um, in uh, pressures and fifty. They've had given up fifty quarterback hits. Dropbacks are limited. Cars, you know, had had struggles with this because of the line. Not always. Now, Carr's struggling outside of that situation too, but it certainly hasn't helped. In a new offense where he's not exactly comfortable, he's behind a line that the Raider organization, and it still befuddles me. And I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to throw gasoline onto the Josh McDaniels fire, but I will say this: we heard in training camp, we're deep. We like where we are on offensive line. Guess what? It's terrible. They didn't invest in it, and it's haunted them all season long. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that Ziegler and McDaniels thought it would be wise to run it back with essentially the same unit as last year. You insert a couple of rookies, Alex Bars as well. Yeah. I mean, no Denzel that, Good was gone. Yeah. I mean, right. Denzel yeah. Good was lost or retired. Yep. Um, they cut Alex Leatherwood. I mean, mm-hmm. you're running it back with the same group. And a couple of rookies. I mean, that that's that's malpractice. I mean, that that I mean football so, malpractice yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um, you know, when you look at who to blame, I mean Ziegler's not off the hook here. I mean, no, he, I agree. he's got some very questionable moves that he made and, and positions that he neglected. Offensive line is definitely at the forefront. I would look for them definitely to make some moves there here in the offseason um to try to improve that group. Absolutely. Uh, we look at the defense, of course. Here's this again, some some of these great stats that Tashawn Reed pulled out in his piece in The Athletic. I highly recommend you listen, you, you read it. Uh, Raiders 31st in turnovers, creating turnovers just seven all season. It's almost like they try not to get turnovers. I mean, that's how bad it is, right? Uh, it's crazy. And they're, <laughs> they're, that way. they're the 28th scoring defense, and we know that, obviously, uh, as well. Then pass rush, worst in the league, Evan. They're last in sacks. They're 30th in pressures. Uh, where, uh, you know, last year they were fourth in pressures and uh, in, cube, in QB hits as well. So last year with Nini Ngakwe on the other side of Max Crosby and with some of the guys they had in the middle, they were able, Solomon Thomas, they, they did a much, they were 100 times better up front than they are this year. So you see regression there as well. 
Uh, so you traded out Ngakwe, Quinton Jefferson, Solomon Thomas for Chandler Jones, Bilal Nichols, and Andrew Billings. And I saw somebody tweet today, it's like Chandler Jones was the Jordy Nelson. Remember when, when they brought in Jordy Nelson, yeah. who basically was done, and I guess Gruden just gave him a nice contract so he could have some retirement money. It looks like Chandler Jones is the same way. Oh, yeah. And you know what? Again, the, the signs were there with him as well. Five mm -hmm. sacks in the final 16 games of the year last year because he had the five-sack game in week one last year and ended the right. season with 10. So, I mean, there were signs of regression there with him as well. Um, but I think, you know, when when the idea was, well, you pair him up with Max Crosby and hopefully Crosby can draw some attention away and, and Chandler would be able to take advantage of that. But it, it has not worked out this year. And I was looking at his contract a little bit earlier today. There's no out there. They're, they're no. on the hook. They're for that done. contract last year yeah. there isn't out in 2024 but they're stuck with that contract for another year and he's going to be 33 next season so that that is looking just really really bad there and uh, as far as the defense goes you know i think the 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 idea behind that and i know mo talked a lot about this um leading up to the season is that Patrick Graham prefers to have those bigger body defensive linemen where Gus Bradley wants to be able to get pressure with his, with his front four. So he's looking for defensive linemen that can get after the quarterback. And I'm not so sure that's the philosophy with Patrick Graham. So they, they got rid of all those interior defensive linemen that could actually get after the quarterback. So yeah. again, I, I don't understand how, how people could think that the pass rush was going to be any better, even with the addition of Chandler Jones, because you need to get that push from yeah. the inside and, and based on the guys they brought in, that's not what they do well. So again, for me, that was a question mark going into the season. So I'm not surprised to see them struggling so badly in, in that area. Right. Uh, your listeners know that because you've talked about it. We've talked about it on this show since summertime. We talked about the middle yep. of the defense and how weak it was. Uh, so there's that. Then, of course, you have the car regression, 24th in completion percentage this year, 19th in yards per attempt just you know lackluster and he owns that it is i mean again not all his fault uh but certainly it hasn't helped right so so we want to do that because people when when you call out Derek Carr right now people are, why are you blaming him we're not blaming him he's responsible for his play though uh and but not all and i'll say this the one thing that i will give him and the last two things i want to hit on on this subject evan is the coaching two things with coaching discipline right now i understand the players are on the field they have to be disciplined but for whatever reason, we saw them very disciplined in the preseason. We get to the regular season, and it's gone, okay? 60 penalties for the Raiders. That's ninth in the NFL. And do not, do not blame that on the referees because it's not. A lot of these are unforced um, penalties. 34 on offense. 34 penalties. We know where that comes from, right, Evan? The offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. 34 penalties. That's fourth in the NFL. And the average distance to first down for the Raiders because of the penalties, is 8.8 .8 yards. So they're starting on average on third down 8.8 .8 yards away from the first down. That is the worst in the NFL. That's what happens when you don't invest yeah. in your offensive line. Yeah, and I also see that Tashawn points out in the article, because I also have it here in front of me, that they're averaging 4.8 yards um, per carry as far as yeah. rushing. So, I mean... That that's pretty good. So they're able to move the ball at times, but but because of the penalties, they go backwards. It's right. They go backwards. So they're shooting themselves in the foot, which you know is obviously a major problem. So you combine that with the struggles of the quarterback. The again, they're not on the same page with with the with the um, head coach. The right. injuries. 
uh, the struggles in the red zone. And, and you can see why, you know, the offense is, is performing the way it is. It's just, it's not good enough right now. And you pointed out um, execution and you pointed out lack of discipline. I think that has to fall back on the coach. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm sure you can make the argument, you could make the argument that execution is, is up to the players to, you know, to go out there and, and do it. They are the ones performing it, but that all starts with the preparation, you know, throughout the week in practice. So right. again, you, you can't avoid you know, putting, putting some of this blame on, on Josh McDaniels. And, and and where you live in the part of the country, upstate New York, when, when it used to be really heavy manufacturing, you have a factory and you're producing, I don't know, let's say you're producing transmissions for automobiles, okay? Uh, and you have the guy who's the head of the entire plant, right? It's his responsibility. He might not be on the floor sitting on the line, putting the transmissions together, putting in the gears manually, pulling a lever. He's still responsible. So, so to your point, that's Josh McDaniels. What Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham are responsible for is play calling, which is another item that he had on the list, and I agree with 100%, which is why he's picked it out. Uh, and especially late in games. Evan, you talked about, just a moment ago, this team being in games late but just unable to, to get it done. They got it done last year, which is the whole reason they got to the playoffs, by the way. Not because they were good enough to make the playoffs. They just played well at the end of close games and were able to get in. But late in games, you look at this, they have been so predictable from an offensive standpoint. It's not even funny. We saw it again last week against the Colts. Not only that, 22nd in red zone TD rate. I mean, how many years have we been talking about this? Even, even during the Gruden years, they were terrible in the red zone. Uh, they've gotten worse. They're 23rd in the NFL in third down conversions as well. So when they need to get a first down, they don't get them. When they need to get a touchdown, they don't get them. That is play calling coupled with all of the other things we've put together. This is why when people want to blame one thing, it's the defense. If he had a defense, and yes, Derek Carr's never had a defense. I give him that all day long. But I'm telling you, it's not just because of the defense. The defense, late in the game against, uh, even, I mean, they gave up 13 points in the first half, held them for another touchdown for the longest period of time. The Raiders have had chances to win games. So as bad as the defense is, they still have a chance to win, and they haven't been able to do it. That's why it's multiple failures. But, Evan, the play calling is, is, is where ego and the inability to change and think about, and you see it in the press conferences, what are you going to do different? Oh, nothing. I think we just need to we need to execute. There's one play here, one play there. He's not even saying, hey, you know what? We need to rethink things. Go back to the drawing board and figure out what works for us. Yeah, you know, and I think that's – isn't that what we heard about um, McDaniels in his first head coaching stint yes. with, with the Broncos is that – he, he was a little hard-headed, and it was a little bit of uh, too much of uh, my way or the highway. And I'm starting to read more and more about that with um, long practices, really grinding those players down. And, and I don't know if that's really going over well with this team. I, I would like McDaniels to be a little bit more flexible. Um, I'm not sure what kind of input he's taking from Derek Carr, you know, for example, on offense. Um, we, we've heard Carr say a lot of the times I'm, I'm doing what the coach is telling me to do. And that's, that's how Derek Carr has always been throughout his career. He's a, mm -hmm. he's a corporate man or a company guy, but, um, you know, maybe that's, that's not the right philosophy. I mean, maybe, maybe McDaniels needs to, to kind of reevaluate his philosophy and maybe adjust to the players that he has and not ha ask those players to adjust to what he's trying to do. There has to be a little bit, you have to meet somewhere in the middle and, and that might be part of the problem is what we're seeing right now.
Well, and it's interesting you say that because Nick Ferguson, who was on in the second segment um, from Denver, we were talking about some of the similarities between the Broncos' troubles and the Raiders' troubles. And, of course, both coaches are under fire and have not performed well. And he said the one difference was he felt that between Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McDaniels is that one guy had a large ego and that guy's not in Denver. Because Nathaniel Hackett might be incompetent, according to many Denver fans, but he's not an ego, egotistical guy. He doesn't have six Super Bowl rings. So I think that's what that gets at. I, I don't know. We're not in the building, right, Evan? But at the same time, when you won't bend your will and you won't change, and if you, again, I think one of the reporters brought it up at the press conference yesterday on Wednesday saying, isn't, isn't the definition of crazy doing the same thing over and over again with the same result? What are you going to do differently? And the answer was typical. I mean, Josh McDaniels learned from the master with saying nothing and using coach speak. So you didn't get any answer that gave you any insight. But my sense of it was, and if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. But I don't think he thinks he's doing anything wrong. I think he doesn't think he's got the players and they're just simply not doing what they need to do to make sure they understand his brilliance. Absolutely. The, the narrative is going to be, we don't have our guys. We need more time. <laughs> These were, you know, you, you see all the changes we've been making. We've gotten rid of all the, the, the Gruden draft picks and we've, we've cut those guys. We're going to, we're going to bring in a new culture and mm -hmm. it doesn't help. It does not help when you hear the general manager praise the job that he has done. And also, just this week, you heard Mark Davis come out and say, I think Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. So, you know, what is he supposed to think? I mean, everyone around him is telling him that he's doing a great job. Now, you know, we're, we're not dumb. Two and seven, he's not doing a great job. There's obviously <laughs> problems there. But, yes. you know, for some reason, he feels, you know, he feels secure in the job. I, I think he's been given uh, assurance that he'll be back. And, and he's not going to... Um, make any kind of emotional decisions here. He's going to stay the course, it seems. And, and that might be something that maybe not this year, but next year that could cost him his job. Well, it could. And listen, I, I've, I've, I've started to very gingerly defend Josh McDaniels from this perspective. I still think he's wrong about the play calling. I still think the, the ego and the, he thinks he's the brightest guy in the room and that everybody else is stupid for not doing what he wants them to do. But I also do believe the roster wasn't that good. And so, so you look at what they are missing and not making an excuse for him because they still should have. I'm not saying they should be two and seven, okay? They could be closer to 500 if they win some of those games because of play calling. I think play calling is terrible. And so I think they've lost games because of it. So, so I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl team or even a playoff team, but I think they have a better record at this point. Uh, but, but clearly he needs more players. I think they knew that going in. Uh, they don't have the right players to run their system. And I think that's that's the quarterback, too. I don't think Derek Carr does. Um, now, w before we, we get out of here for the, for the show, I wanted to lastly talk about um, the Barstool piece you and I read, which talks about Derek Carr at great length and defending him, saying how horrible it's been that he has not had a defense in his entire career in a Raiders uniform. And the data is overwhelming. I'm not saying and arguing with him that is not. But when you look at that, do you think the reason Derek Carr hasn't won more? I'm not saying he would have won a Super Bowl if he was a better quarterback, better quarterback, or if they had a good defense here or there. But do you think the argument they lay out there is enough to convince you that Derek Carr could be a top five quarterback if he had a defense? 
I don't know about top five, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very convincing article. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's very hard to argue a lot of the points that were made in, in the story. And, um, you know, the one thing I would ask is, has this guy watched Raiders games, though, on a consistent basis? Because, no. um, yeah. you know, I, I think, yes, the data, the stats, you can kind of drive stats in any direction you want to kind of fit what you're the story you're trying to tell. I think when you sit down and watch Derek Carr from year to year, from from week to week, you're going to see some of those flaws that that some of the fan base is unhappy with. For example, um and 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 I know this seems like cherry picking with the stats, but this is all I could find. From 2017 to 2021, Derek Carr out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL has the most fumbles lost, 26. And that was just 2017 to 2021. Um, in 2014, he lost four. 2015, he also lost three. And then 2016, he lost three again. So, you know, he's turning the ball over a lot. Um, he's also had 54 interceptions in that time period, which is the fifth most of any quarterback in the NFL. So, again, there's there's more to the story than just bad defenses, bad drafting, mm-hmm. um, and, 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 you know, not enough of talent around him. Because – you know, in my in my opinion, there has been some years on offense where there's been talent. I mean, say yeah. what you want about um, uh, after they traded Amari Cooper and he and Darren Waller was his number one wide receiver. I mean, he had a couple good tight ends, Moreau and, and Waller, Josh Jacobs. They invested money in the offensive line in past years, so he's had some help there. It's very difficult though to defend the defense. I mean, but <laughs> I will say this: I will say, yeah, you can't. But I will say this: I did some research. I went back and looked at. Um, from 2014 till up until last year, if there were any other teams who were successful with bad defenses. Okay. And I have a couple here that I'll throw out 2016, the Atlanta Falcons, they went all the way to the Super Bowl. If you remember that epic Mm -hmm. uh, meltdown, they had the 27th ranked defense in the NFL that year. Now I know sometimes outliers are going to occur, but it does happen. Um, 2014, the Carolina Panthers lost in the divisional round. They had the 21st ranked defense. The Colts in the same year, they lost in the AFC Championship that what year. About with the Andrew Chief- what about the Chiefs? The Chiefs in many the, of those great years. Yes, and the Chiefs have not always had a great defense. Now they have an all-world quarterback. Now. Yes, right. Yeah, they're better now, and they have an all-world quarterback. But there's plenty of examples out there. The Bengals last year, the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. They had the 16th ranked defense, which is a lot better than what the Raiders have had. But my point is. Sometimes you have to have a quarterback that is able to overcome, you know, deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And I know that's that's easier said than done. Yeah. But I just don't believe that Derek Carr is that guy. And and again, it's not. I'm not saying it's his fault. But looking at the way the roster is right now and has been the last couple of years, I I think it's time to maybe look into a higher end, uh, higher upside quarterback. Yeah. And, and I think Derek Carr could go somewhere else where the situation's perfect for him and succeed. I've always said that, right? And 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 Carr fans want to block you or call you crazy or whatever, and that's fine. Uh, but the one thing, the one thing I want to say, Evan, um, before we we get close to wrapping up the show, is the last point on coaching. And you look at the stats too, like you. It's it's fascinating when you look at this stuff. And I know to your point about the Barstool article on the defenses and Derek Carr never having one. Um, stats can be used how you want them to be used. They're not always the be all end all, but this year, and I think this is, this is one of the biggest indictments on the coaching staff, especially Josh McDaniels, the Raiders this year, we talked about those close games at the end. 
They're one in five. They've been in six games, right? That are close games towards the end of the the uh, the the game, the opportunity to win the game. They're one in five this season when they lead by seventeen points. Okay, uh, in in four or more games, that is, uh, in 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 four of those games, they're one and three. In the league, the record, the rest of the league in games that are where they have a seventeen point lead, the record for those teams is forty nine three and one. 49-3-1, okay? And so when you look at one-score games, <clears throat> sure, players have to make plays, always. But more than that, you have to call the game and manage the game to put your team in the right position to win. And we've seen it this year, hasn't happened, and the play calling, to me, is the biggest culprit. Yeah, you know, and I, as you were saying that about blowing a large lead, I just mentioned that 2016 Atlanta team, that yeah. Super Bowl that year when they were up 34 to three, I believe it was, or 28 to three, whatever the score was at that point. Yes, the defense did allow the Patriots to drive down the field and score all those points, but it was the failure of the offense and the play yeah. caller. If you remember, Kyle Shanahan did not call a very good game in the second half there, and, and it cost them. I think he he was not aggressive enough. But but getting back to how it relates to now, it, it's 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 the same situation. You know, mm -hmm. they they get these leads and offensively. You're, they're not doing the right things defensively. Obviously they're not making the right calls there as well. And, and, and we've talked about the lack of execution down the stretch. Um, it was something that, that Basaccia uh, and, and his staff was able to get this team to do well this year. They're not doing those things well this year. When you're in those close games, your team has to be playing its best football in those critical moments. And this year's Raiders team has just not done that. No, absolutely. Well said. All right, Evan, before we check out of here, Raiders, Broncos this weekend. I picked the Raiders last week. Everybody made fun of me, and and they were right. Um, I can't pick the – as bad as the Broncos have been, the Broncos have one of the worst offenses in the history of the NFL, actually, by stats, <laughs> as we talked about with, uh, with Nick Ferguson. Um, they can't score points. Did you know in 49 games since they won a Super Bowl, they've scored less – 17 or less points? So – it's, it's remarkable. They don't put up points, even with Russell Wilson. Uh, but it seems as though the Raiders seem to be the antibiotic for bad offense. And once someone plays the Raiders, they heal up nicely and they score points. I can't, I can't pick the Raiders this weekend. I just can't do it until I see them actually play four quarters. Yeah, I mean, at least Denver has a pretty good defense as well. So, sure. I mean, they got they got that going for them. Uh, and speaking of Denver, imagine how their fan base feels right now, giving up all those draft picks <laughs> to bring in Russell Wilson, giving them all of that money. That's going to kill their cap for the but, next but couple I'd of years. I'd rather have Russell Wilson right now as bad as he's played than have Chandler Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Because <laughs> um, I think he'll, he'll bounce back. I, I just do, but that's just me. Yeah. What's the line on the game? Have you seen the spread by any chance? Uh, I you know what? I'm gonna I'll look it up right now for you while we're while we're on the and, air. But I here. agree with you. I, I I find it hard right now to, to pick the Raiders to win any game yeah. right now until I see some signs of life um, on both sides of the ball. I mean, I, I just don't know how you could feel the Raiders are, are favored to win any game. It's on the road. It's in Denver, correct? It's in Denver, correct? Yeah, yeah. So they're going on the road again. Uh, they have not played well on the road. I think they've lost every game on the road this year. I think they're. I don't That's think they've correct. won a road game yet. And so um and Denver is always a tough place to play with the uh, you know, mile high and all that. So it's already cold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think there's any way right now you could you could 
have the Raiders predicted to win this game? Right. They are, according to our friends at William Hill, they are a three-point underdog, um, yeah. which I, I that's what I would have thought on the road against another bad team. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like a pick em. I mean, if you think about it, because on the road, uh, they get the advantage of the three points, especially with a team as bad. Right. Uh, Over-under on it is 41 and a half. So, yeah, so I, I just can't pick them either. I mean, I hope for the sake of Raider Nation they win, it would be big for this team. They just need something positive to happen, Evan. I mean, if they could go on the road and get a big AFC West win, yes, they're not going to the playoffs. We got that. But you could start to gain some of your pride back. Yeah, and, you know, I was looking at the schedule. There's eight games left. Five of those eight games are against teams that are currently in the playoffs right now. Yeah. And there's a sixth game against the Chargers, who are the eighth seed right now in the AFC. So, I mean, I, I don't want to— gauntlet. You know, Yes. I mean, things could actually get worse. So, they, they, so, you know, hold on tight Raider nation. You thanks, know? <laughs> thanks for the half full glass there, Evan. We, we appreciate that. Everybody's really, but, you know, I will say there's also, there's always games every year where the Raiders are supposed to lose and yep. they pull off a win and there's games where they're yep. supposed to win and they lose. So it, it, it's week to week, as I've always said many, many times. So, you know, I could be wrong, but as far as a, as a schedule on paper, it does look a bit challenging here in the final eight games of the season. That you heard it here. Evans calling an upset of the Chiefs. The Raiders are going to upset. Did you hear him just say that? No, I'm just kidding. They were up uh, what 24 to nothing the first time they played them. They oh, blew the lead, but but they were just, winning. You just you just poked the 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 wound. You poked the wound and made people bleed again. Uh, but no, Evan, thank you so much, man, for sitting in. Hopefully, we'll see you on the post game show. But you got to do us a favor. Evans podcast comes out tomorrow. Just Pod Baby. Make sure. You go subscribe to it. Evan, what are you going to be talking about on the podcast? Well, a lot of the same. A lot of the discussion that we got into uh, this evening, I'll be touching on a lot of that uh, this week on my show. Um, I'm going to be joined by Mark Anderson, who covers the Raiders for uh, the Associated Press. Uh, he's one of my guests this week. And, of course, I always preview the upcoming game as well. So a uh, lot, lot going on this week on the show. So Mark's a friend, and Mark is a Florida Gator, so give him crap about that. Uh, but also, his son is as wise as my daughter. He chose to go to Arizona State, too, so ah, there you go. Okay. I didn't know you I didn't know you knew Mark. There goes Forks Up, baby, uh, for Arizona State. <laughs> so uh, all good stuff. Make sure you go subscribe to Just Pod Baby. Also, follow Evan on Twitter at egroat 5 You can also follow Just Pod Baby on Twitter. Evan, I appreciate you being with us, man. We'll talk to you real soon. All right, Scott. Anytime. All right, well, that's going to close it out for us on this edition of Silver and Black today. Enjoy the game. I know it's been hard to do that. Hopefully the Raiders give you a good show against the Broncos up in the Mile High City. For my usual co-host, Mo Moten, and for our producer, David Stepanian, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll talk to you Sunday after the game with our live post-game show. Take care, everybody.